Praise the Lord. Father God, we just thank you, my Lord, for this day. We honor you, my God. We extol your name, my God. We see you, Father, as above all things. We see you with the Son and the Holy Spirit, high and lifted up in a divine place, in a heaven above the heavens, in a glory above the glory, in a wisdom above the wisdom, in a love above the love, in a justice above the justice, in the holy most holy are you father most holy your son most holy your spirit and so we exalt you my god we lift you up and we ask you my lord that in the name of your son christ yeshua that you bless us with your presence here today that may the prayer not be a formality before the word but may the prayer be the beginning of the word that you are going to release to your people lord we have come together today, my Lord, to serve. We've come together today to hear from you. Father God, we've come into your courtyards to listen to your counsel and your guidance. And we pray, Father God, that we may be able to receive a blessing, that you will purge us of our iniquity by the blood of Jesus. We plead the blood, my God. We plead justification by the blood of Christ Yeshua. We look to see nothing in our existence ex ex receive anything apart from the blood of Christ. Nothing outside of the covering of the blood. Nothing outside of the protection of the blood. We see our need for a complete covering of the blood of Christ to justify us before you that your love may shone through, my Lord. And so we thank you. And we pray, Father God, that if there are decisions in our hearts and minds that need to be rectified, if there are no's that we're giving to the Holy Spirit, she will expose the truth of the truth of why the Holy Spirit is making a call for certain things in our life, and that we might then repent and change our attitude in our heart posture so that we are properly aligned in the glory. Break, Father God, any stubbornness that's in our hearts. Expose, Father God, all iniquity in our mortal being. And help us to come into complete and total alignment. Like Moses, who was faithful inside your entire house, may we also, Father God, become faithful in your entire house. I pray against insecurity and doubt and worry, Lord. I pray, Father God, against excuses and procrastination right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray against all worldly busyness, Lord, that separate us from the purity of the direction that you're taking us and that we might be able to serve you, my God, in purity, in truth, and in love and in relationship. May we see you as you are and may your absolute holiness crush our natural being so that we come to you broken and contrite in awe of your complete glory. Help us, O oh Lord. Give us wisdom. Give us insight. In Yeshua's mighty name and the body of Christ says, can we get an amen in the house of the Lord? Amen. 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 Praise God. Saints, we're in day 25 of the wilderness experience, and we've been using the wilderness that Christ went through, the 40 days in the desert, and we've been using the wilderness that the nation of Israel went through. That was 40 years in the desert, a day for a year and a year for a day. 
And there were some, the, part of it wasn't supposed to last that long, okay? Um, part of it lasted that long because of their disobedience. But the wilderness itself was a requirement. God was trying to detox them. And we're here now talking about these mantles. So this is, th this is probably the third part of the mantle discussion and uh, the mantle message. And that started, um, I think, on day 22, day 23, and I think this is day 25. So those three, a lot, those three messages are connected. They're a continuation. And we're talking about these new mantles that God is giving you to wear. And in these new mantles that you're getting to wear, there's, there's a strict training that you have to go through. And so when God took them into the wilderness, part of it was for a strict training. Part of it was to train them. He needed to detox them from the passions of the world. God, in, in Christianity today, we spend a lot of time teaching knowledge. I talk a lot about academic affliction, and some may not even know what that means. I know when I first heard the term, I didn't know what it meant, but it means to gain information that has no impact on your relationship. That's a simplification of it. Academic affliction in Christianity means to gain information that has no bearing on your relationship. So when you learn tidbits of biblical information, but it doesn't actually improve your intimacy with God, it doesn't actually improve your passion with God, then that's academic affliction. And to a large extent, the Hellenistic movement that entered the church many, many years ago introduced this philosophizing about Christianity, which introduced this intellectual affliction where you were gaining these gee whiz moments, but they weren't actually having an impact on your relationship with God. And without it having an impact on your relationship with God, it just became idle information. Dead works in your life. But a living work actually changes your being. And so when, I, when, I, when we speak today, it may not come out in a form of an organized preaching. Maybe it'll come out as more prophetic nuggets that you can then receive that actually will bring a transformation and supernaturally improve your relationship with God. You see, when the Bible says that God is a jealous God, what he means is that absolutely the purity of love must start with him. You must love him more than you love everybody else, period. And we know that we all struggle with giving God the absolute love, right? Because there are things that enter into our life that challenge that love because the human nature is by its very nature in its fallen state, idolatrous. It likes to cling to things. It's searching for paradise for itself. And it's trying to create paradise-like conditions for itself. And so in so doing, when it finds pleasure in something, it has the tendency to idolize that thing which in which it found pleasure so that it could embrace the pleasure and enjoy paradise. How many of you know we were designed and made to live in paradise? That's what Adam lived in, in the garden. We were designed and made to live in paradise. So we always on some level seek paradise. But paradise back then, whether they knew it or not, was their mantle of the Holy Spirit. The mantle of the Holy Spirit was their paradise. And the Holy Spirit was there so unassumingly, it might very well be that Adam didn't even know that he was clothed in the Holy Spirit because it says he didn't even know that he was naked. So 
probably he lived in this aura of the spirit where the spirit didn't even announce himself as being there. He saw he thought his fellowship with God was during the cool of the day. He didn't know that he was clothed in God. And so when he took them into the wilderness, he took them into the wilderness. We're talking about the nation of Israel. We're also talking about us right? Because we're using it as a typology for this wilderness experience that we're experiencing. He took them to detox them from their idolatries. He took them to detox them from their passions for the leeks and melons. They were willing to put up with slavery for leeks and melons. They're willing to put up with a dehumanizing of their humanness, the dehumanizing of their being, that they might be able to get trinkets, they were willing to settle because they didn't know anything else. They had spent 400 years. That's, listen, a generation, I, you know, I, some people like to think a generation is a century, 100 years, but most people don't live to 100 years old. Most people don't get past the late 60s or 70s. I pray better for you in the name of Christ Yeshua, but that's the probably the average. And in some places, it might even be even less than that. So in reality, 400 years probably represented five or six generations, maybe even more, that they had been in slavery. So they had learned to settle. If I could just have this little thing here, I'll be all right. I'll put up with this slavery if I can just have this little thing here. And so when God freed them in order to make into them, to make them a great nation, he had to detox them from their slave mind and he had to break them from their idolatrous thinking and he had to put them into strict training. You're going and you're in strict training. I say strict because it has boundaries and borders. The Bible says that the kingdom of God, the road to it, is narrow and cramped. But the road to destruction is wide and spacious. And many find the road to destruction, but only a few, use that word, few, find the pathway to life. And so you have to ask yourself, how different am I than the people around me? Obviously, if you're surrounded only by brothers and sisters, you shouldn't be too different, right? Because you do need to walk in a level of agreement. But if you're around the world, how different are you? Are you in the narrow and cramped road? See, what puts you in the narrow and cramped road is this strict training. What puts you in this narrow and cramped road is this wilderness that God is taking you in to detox you from the slavery of your flesh because you've settled in your flesh. If I could just, I've, I've given up on accomplishing these great things that I might have dreamed about now that the pressures and the circumstances of life have exposed certain realities to me that I didn't understand when I was younger. I now have learned to settle for this slavery. Now, I'm not telling you to recapture your dreams from the flesh. Some of you might have wanted to be actors or movie stars or politicians or, or great scientists, Nobel Prize winners. Who knows what you dreamed about as a child? But I doubt very seriously that as a child, as you watch hero movies and as you watch uh, uh, the hero cartoons and as you were told that the world was your oyster, that you dreamed of growing up and being a UPS driver. 
Yes, when you were younger, you had great dreams, but then you started to settle because of the slavery. But listen, God wasn't interested in those dreams. God was interested in some other dreams, but still he has to break you of the slave mind in order for you to embrace those dreams because you're too willing to settle for the leeks and melons and making bricks out of straw for the Pharaoh. And so he takes you into the desert, and in the desert, he says, listen, man does not live on bread alone, but by every utterance from out of my mouth, so I'm going to give you manna from the sky to eat. Stop thinking so much about different foods and start thinking about your spirit. The spirit is everything. The flesh counts for nothing. These are the words of Jesus Christ. And so we took them in the desert and he wanted to detox them, but they didn't understand the desert because they didn't understand strict training. They didn't understand strict training because they had never been put through this kind of strict training. All they were trained to do was obey their slave master. And now here, God was bringing them freedom, independence. Children are automatically made slaves to their parents because too much independence for a child and they would kill themselves. You spend probably the first four or five years of a child's life basically keeping them from committing suicide. They're not ready for freedom. They have to go through some training, strict training. And so you come into the world really ready and prepared for strict training. But if you don't get the training, then things kind of get wild, right? They get out of control. And so God took his bride, his daughter, and his son. We're talking to the prophetic now. The nation of Israel became his bride because he sired a child through them called Jesus Christ. They were also his children because God is the father of all. And it was also his son, because Jesus was still in the loins of the nation. And so he took them into the desert for strict training. And the question is, are you submitting to the strict training? Or are you like some of the stubborn Jews in the desert who wouldn't accept the training because they already know, even though they had a slave mind and a band of slavery around their head, they already knew enough to know exactly what they wanted and what they didn't want and what they like and what they don't like and what they're willing to do and what they're not willing to do and how the world works. See, the world doesn't work. You go up on a mountain and stay up there and don't tell us why you're up there and don't tell us how long you're up there. That's not how it works. You were supposed to already be back here. And now that you're not back here, Aaron, give me a task. We're going back to Egypt. At least there, we had leeks and melons to eat. Moses has brought us out to this desert to die. Do we already know how everything works, and now God can't put us in any more strict training? Have we settled for, we? I already know what will work for me. If I do this, I'll get this. And what, but, but God is trying to show you how to do this to get that. I don't know about that. I know that if I do this, I'll get this. 
and I'm talking to you now in the spirit realm, and I'm talking to you to another level of glory. And so this story is true for all of us at some level of glory, because at some level of glory, we offer some degree of resistance. At some level of glory, we have to struggle in our faith. At some level of glory, we have to doubt whether or not this is God or isn't God, or what if it wasn't God, and what if I make a mistake? And we all struggle with that at every level of glory. All those questions seem to resurface because at every level of glory, we have to challenge and allow ourselves to be stretched into another level of strict strength. Santo, glory to God. And so, are you ready for the strict training? Because this new mantle that God has put on you requires some retraining. You know, you never leave discipleship in your whole, I'm a disciple, I'm an apostle, I'm a pastor, I'm a bishop, I'm a disciple. If I'm not a disciple, I'm incompetent as an apostle, I'm incompetent as a pastor, and I'm incompetent as a bishop because then I know everything, then Jesus can't be in charge. And if Jesus is not in charge, how could I possibly lead others? You remain a student. You don't graduate from the school until you pass away or until Christ returns, whichever comes first. And so we're always learning, always growing. But there does seem, seem to be these seasons in which we go into a kind of a strict training. And that training is for a mantle. And then that mantle produces a certain level of fruit, another harvest. And then after that harvest, God says, okay, now it's time to go back into strict training. What? For the next mantle, for the next glory. Now, I'm good at this glory. I didn't tell you that the goal was to reach only this glory. The goal is Jesus. And as long as you're here, you're a student. And as long as you're here, you're going from glory to glory. You know, you have a saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but that's not really the truth. The truth is, when we become old dogs, we get more stubborn and ornery. Because we now have decided to leave being a disciple, and now we want to be a teacher only. Now, interestingly enough, you're both disciple and teacher. I don't care if you just got saved yesterday, you're a disciple and a teacher. You're a disciple because you're learning how to grow in God, but you're also a teacher because you can teach those who are unsaved. So the second that you enter the kingdom of God, you become both a student and a teacher immediately. But never leave, never leave either of those positions. For you're always teaching, even if it's just by your actions, and you're always learning, even if it's prayer and sanctification, consecration. So there does appear to be this season of strict training. And in this season of strict training, you're not there to release a harvest just yet. You're there to receive a mantle. And that mantle that you receive is a greater mantle than you had before. It's the mantle of the result of the training symptom. And the mantle as a result of the training reaches you to another level of glory. And some of us, we stay at some primitive levels of glory because we don't want to let go of the slave mind. Now, it's interesting that he took them in the desert to teach them this. 
He took them in the desert to teach them this because he needed their attention. He didn't want any distractions. He wanted to keep their focus in alignment. How many of you ever try to break difficult uh, patterns of behavior? I say patterns of behavior because as soon as I say habit, people always think of something negative. As soon as I say habit, people think of something addictive. But we're not talking about something addictive, and we're not talking about something necessarily bad. Patterns of behavior. How many of you have stubborn patterns of behavior that you don't believe are completely healthy and you're trying to change them, but it seems like you're on a merry-go-round because every time you try to change them, they seem to change for a little while, but then they go back to the same way they were before and you always are talking about changing them and then you change them for a little while, but they always seem to go back to the things they are. These are patterns of behavior that you find hard to break. And so then they need special focus. Why do they need special focus? Because you can't see the doors by which, you can't see the doorways by which these habits or these behaviors seem to resurface themselves. Oh, glory to God. And so God was dealing with, their, with some stubborn aspects of their being, and he needed to take them in the desert to get their attention. You could look at it from a marital point of view. He wanted to, how many of you, when you want to get married, we got some brothers on the line here. Brothers, when you want to get with, a, well, um, well all, all the brothers that are on the line now are married. So we're going to use your real life circumstances. When you decided to get with the wife of your, of your, of your life now, you, you, you wanted her attention. You didn't, you didn't want to spend all your time with her in a crowd of people, right? You wanted to try to get her alone, right? Get her alone so you get her attention so that you could woo her heart, get her focused on you. There were a whole bunch of people around. And so God wooed his bride into the desert so that he could get her attention, so he could speak loving words to her, kind and, 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 and romantic communication. And the Jews didn't take it that way. They took it a whole different way. But that's what God was doing. He gave them laws and commandments and instructions. And he said, if you obey these laws and commandments and instructions, that the world will look and say, wow, what a powerful God that gives his people all these ways of carrying themselves. Because in those days, the worship of foreign gods was just simply giving them homage. But here you have a God that actually tells you how to live for your own benefit. And he said, the nations would admire them. God took the time to actually instruct them on ways to eat, ways to live, ways to treat each other, ways to worship, ways to communicate with him. This was a husband acting romantically with his wife. But God, at his divine level, the, the nation of Israel, at the level that they were at, they did not comprehend that. We know it to be true now because what we know about Genesis 3.15 and what we know about Jesus and because we now have the Holy Spirit. And so now we have a level of intimacy with God in which we can understand why he did what he did with the nation of Israel. But he's also doing those same things with you. Wooing you into the desert, taking you into the wilderness to get your undivided attention for another mantle and a glory, and a glory, and a glory, and an ever-increasing glory, until you reach the highest glory, which is the full glory of Christ, and a divine, holy being, and a glorified body. On the road, 
how much resistance are you giving God? Whatever resistance you're giving him comes from the slave mind. It doesn't come from the holy mind. It comes from the slave mind. Now, I look on this Zoom call. We are recording, so there are going to be people listening from all over the world. But on this Zoom call, I'm looking around, and most are of, uh, of, of some sort of minority descent, whether it be Hispanic or African-American or West Indian. And so we have uh, a group of people who have a heritage of being colonized or otherwise enslaved by European force. And at some point in all of the histories of our natural being, there was a rebellion, right? The African-Americans rebelled against slavery in the United States. The West Indian Islands rebelled against slavery in Great Britain. The Hispanics rebelled against slavery by the Spaniards. Because instinctively, you didn't want to be a slave. And so how Satan gets you to rebel against God is he presents it in a way in which it does not appear to be slavery. Can you see it? Can you perceive it? Are you settling? Would you rather make bricks out of straw so you can have leeks and melons? Or would you rather be a holy priesthood? And so the Lord has taken you into the desert and has promised you a new mantle. And he's clothing you in the mantle. And he's putting you in strict training. Disciples of Jesus Christ, are we trainable? And so that's the message the Lord had for us today. Are we trainable? Receiving this new mantle requires training. And are we a disciple? I rebuke the spirit of settling. I rebuke spirits of insecurity. Insecurity causes you to think less of yourself than how you should. And so I also pray against conceit because worldly conceit i'm conceited about jesus that's right i have a well actually conceit is an overly uh, unwarranted do high opinion of yourself so i do not concede about jesus because in the reality there, there's no such thing as having an unwarranted high opinion of him so I, 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 I take that back i'm not conceited but if if i look to or i have confidence in anyone it's in jesus i have absolute confidence in christ Yeshua. And inside that confidence that I have in Jesus, I don't believe there's anything outside of his ability. There may be something outside of his desire, but I don't think there's anything outside of his ability. So I want to I have my passion trained to be like Jesus. See, that's part of the strict training is to retrain your passions so that you're passionate about the glory and you become dispassionate about slavery. See, because whether you're willing to accept it or not, you have a degree of passion for the slavery because you've settled. If I can find a way to make this work for me so that I can survive without feeling like I'm dying, then I'll accept that. 
And so then once you accept it, it actually becomes a passion. And then when God tries to stretch you, which might actually cause you to feel a little uncomfortable or might cause you to feel something like what you consider pain. And then you go, oh, no, 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 I'm good. I finally figured out how to survive like this. I don't want to go anywhere else now. Even if that means making bricks out of straw for the fair. So God has to retool your passions. The nation of Israel ended up 40 years in this wilderness because when God told them to take the promised land, they were too scared because they didn't see themselves as warriors of a holy priesthood. They still saw themselves as a band of wild tribes in subjection to Pharaoh. Their slave mind overruled, overrid their warrior mind, except for Joshua and Caleb, right? Their slave mind overtook their warrior mind and their fear gripped them. And God said, you people are forever bound in slavery. And no matter what wanderer's soap I use, I cannot wash you. Therefore, you will not go in the promised land. I will take your children. For everyone that witnessed the miracle, everyone who knew right from wrong that witnessed the miracles in Egypt was to die in the desert. Are you of those that want to die in the desert? Or are you one of those that wants to take the promised land? At every level of glory, this question has to get re-asked. At every new mantle that you're going to put on, this question has to be re-asked. And what happens is after we put on a few mantles, we look to settle. Well, you know, I've got about 15. I'm on my 15th mantle. I don't know that I need a 16th one. The goal was not to get to a place where you were comfortable. The goal was to get you to the glory of Christ. And at every level, you got to re-ask the same question. Are you prepared to go into strict training to put on this mantle to be stretched to this next level of glory? And as long as you're alive, the Holy Spirit expects one answer from you. Yes. Or he has not called you to be one who falls in death in the desert, never to enter the glory. But he's called you to be of those that became part of the nation of Israel that resided in the promised land. That's his desire for your heart. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for your special name among men. We thank you for the glory of Christ. We pray against every anxiety, every fear. We pray against every insecurity. We pray against every doubt and worry. We pray, Father God, that your infinite glory may take full control over every aspect of our being. May we continue to be disciples of the truth of your glory. May we continue to flow in the majesty of your grace. We plead the blood. Lord, over our life. That is our justification. We're not justified by our works. We're not justified by our title. We're not justified by our ministry. We're not justified by the by the praises we get from men. We are justified by the blood of Jesus. And through the blood of Jesus, we are perfect in your eyes. Yet our actions now are not completely perfect, Lord. So perfect us, Lord. Perfect us. That we might be the reflection of Christ to a dying world and take on the responsibility of ambassadors 
to the glory of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray these things and we continue to pray them and we will continue to pray them as long as we have breath. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And the body of Christ says, can we get an amen in the house of the Lord? Amen. 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 Praise God. Have a great morning, saints. You all too. You too.